How do you pick a real estate agent? Yes, so it can be a couple of different things. Agents are now probably better educated as well as to what properties are going to sell. Talk about it over coffee when we used to just catch up for coffee and not record it. You talk about it in a way that's accessible and easy to listen. If you've if you've been in your career for a short while, how do you take yourself to the next level? Yeah, um, it was really a podcast. Yeah, clearly. exactly right. Yeah, epic this voice week on the property part. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Property Pod. I am your host, Aaron Horn. I am happy to announce that through many technical difficulties, which I've heard about on so many uh, podcasts recently of trying to get the audio all synced up and everything together. I was like, these guys are such amateurs. They have got no idea what they're doing. Uh, We've turned into that podcast. We have been battling for the last 20 minutes just to get an echo out of the room, to get clean, clean, crisp audio. But we got there. But we did it. There. What, uh, what, what chaos that was. I thought, we were, thought we'd become pro a year into the game. I thought we were good, but my goodness, that was a stressful little period. <laughs> <laughs> we got there, buddy. That's all that matters. We did. So we're still here with video. We're still here with audio. Uh, you can get this anywhere you like, whether you like looking at us or just listening to us. Uh, Johnny Mac, you are still in Moona. We are, we are. So the the wall, the wall colours haven't changed. Um, I have a feeling that we probably won't get interrupted today, um, even though it's more fun when we do. Yeah, I liked it when Julie popped in the other day. We actually had Abby, Pat's partner. Um, she messaged through to the Instagram of the Property Pod complaining that um, Julie is our go-to property manager when Abby's in our building and she could quite easily come and be part of it. The history that your mum's got, she's got the expertise. We've got to go with her every time. <laughs> the problem is too, Pat, you've already dug the hole, so there's no coming out. No, so funnily enough, what my response to the Instagram message that she sent was, um, oh, how come, where's my invite for the property pod? I said, oh, if you started listening, you'd hear that you come up quite regularly. <laughs> and she was like, I have to hear about it all, all, all night at home. Sorry. Man, we're struggling. You wanted to make a live one. <laughs> I, I do want to make a live episode, but I want to call bullshit on that. I do not talk about the property pot nonstop. All the time. <laughs> well, we'll have to go to the source. She wants to be on it. <laughs> anyway, enough crap. Let's move on to some proper stuff. Yeah, there's actually a fair bit to go into today. So um, Pat's actually put a running sheet together, which we haven't had for the last few weeks because we've been um, just flying by the seat of our pants. But put, looking through this, but you've done a fair bit of research here. Oh yeah, look, it's so much going on at the moment and so many news articles coming out and different ideas and I just thought what we'd do this week is maybe take a look at some of the big ideas that people have to re-kick the economy and also what effect they might have on the industry. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so look, it was just an idea that instead of trying to deep dive into something, we've just got three different stories. Hopefully we get to all three today before running out of time. But Before kicking back into that, look, the world is kind of coming back to a bit of a normality or the new normal at least. You guys have opened up the doors here again. Um, yeah, as of this week, we have unlocked our front door again. We've brought our receptionist back full time and we're just in the process of getting the rest of our policy and procedures in place to get the rest of the team back next Monday. Yeah, you were talking to me before about uh, working through workplace safe stuff and filling out things that are required to kind of operate a business in the new climate. Yeah, there's quite a lot you've got to have in place now to be able to operate a safe business for your staff. I don't know if you've seen the workplace safety guidelines sheet yet, John. Uh, No, I haven't read it. But here's a good tip. I got to the very last page and it says, you do not need to submit this form. Just file it away in your office. And then I was like, oh man, I wish I'd read the whole thing first. It reminded me of a test at school where on the very last page, you didn't actually have to do anything. The test was to just read through it because they always say to you, 
read all the questions first. Yeah, well, that was that. I spent like three hours filling out the damn thing. (laughs) And then at the end, it said, oh, you don't have to send this anywhere. It's just for your own personal... Well, ultimately, I think you'll have a safer business place uh, (laughs) for your staff and all the customers that come through at the end of it. Yeah, definitely. So it was definitely worthwhile doing. It was just a very time-consuming job. Well, speaking of time, we don't have a lot of it today. So let's jump into uh, one of the first things you'd uh, noted for today's episode was kind of a 50K grant um, for new builds, I believe it is. Yeah. So it's been thrown around a bit now in the Hobart news and also national news. Um, Some people are saying that we need to raise the first home buyers grant from, you know, 10,000 or 20,000 up to 40 or $50,000. Um, others are saying that it shouldn't just be for first home buyers. It should be for anyone that builds a new home. Yep. So with the whole idea that if you reboot the building industry, you can reboot the economy. So they're sort of driving for the building industry to be the driver that gets everything else running. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's been interesting to see the different uh, people that have come out this week and sort of put support behind this idea. Uh, it does mean that it would require $2.5 billion in federal funding to actually get this idea up and running. But hey, we found $60 billion the other day. Well, so I was gonna it say, seems like a drop in the ocean to be able to bring something like this into play. I was going to say that, like what a crazy um, miscalculation that it's gone the right way. Like people are up in arms, like how can there be this big of an error? But isn't the error good? Because they thought, oh, it's, we're going to have to spend way more than we did. So we do actually have some money in there kind of surplus to use. (laughs) Well, that's exactly right. And I think um, that's what government will have to work towards over the next sort of couple of months is it's all been great to help people through this while they can't work, but how do you get them working again? And how do you get people back out in the workplace? Yeah, wasn't there some new job maker was announced this week as well or something along those lines? So there's job seeker, job keeper and now job maker. I'd love to say they're very creative with the names. I was was going to say the same thing. It's kind of like, hmm, how can we make another catchy thing that people will um, latch onto? It's, it's kind of cool too because I think we dug out a couple of articles, opinion articles from people commenting on this because the, I mean, the thing is though is, that, oh, the, oh my God, we've got $60 billion to spend. Well, the only reason why that's available is because governments issued bonds in order and a government bond is a, is a, is a, is a loan. So inevitably the, the, that money actually has to be paid back at some point. So the whole thing is that if I would, you know, the argument could be said, well, if we haven't needed that money, it shouldn't be spent because, um, why put the future Australians or the future taxpayers in that um, debt if it's unnecessary? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's a, a fair way of um, of putting it, J Mac. Because with that, the fifty thousand um, dollar first home buyers boost, because obviously it's already thirty grand. There was one, one in the the Mercury where this guy had read um, housing market is overheated, and I'll just read it out because said uh, the proposal by Master Builders Tasmania unfortunately ignores the reality of um, statistics. Build a bid for forty k home grant, so it's just he's referring to the in- increase again. And he says, by the time a new home is ready for occupation, its value will have dropped about 30% and there is a significant chance of purchase income will have dropped or disappeared. The result will be a foreclosure and a large residual debt of the bank and an ongoing bad credit, uh, credit record. The above estimate, estimates are based on the bank's own forecasts. The current housing market is grossly overheated due to greedy real estate agents and banks who have been handing out loans that even in good times, customers had no chance of repaying. The recession that we are about to have has, has little to do with the COVID-19. It's mainly due to the bank's corporate greed and carelessness with what has actually been other people's money. So, oh, uh, wow. I wish, uh, I wish I could get a, I, obviously as a, re- a greedy real estate agent, you know, I'm rolling around with three beamers. I've got private drive, you know, private drivers and three butlers. Um, He's going to go down the private jet line. I'm like, well, yeah. that's just yeah. too jam-hack. Uh, we, have, um, to that. 
we have boasted before about goblets and big fur jackets. So you better be careful with your words there, J-Mac. 100%. Well, I guess um, the, one thing about these when it comes to, I think, when it comes to stimulus is remember the, the, the scheme they did for um, insulation? So all of a yeah. sudden, because there's an economic argument you said that it creates false, it creates a false economy of, de, um, of demand. Now with the insulation scheme, when they when we released that, all of a sudden there was enormous amount of requests for insulation uh, that just came out of the blue because all of a sudden people could get it for free. And then when it was removed, it just went back to normal and people who want it got it, um, etc. So. Um, You'd, uh, you'd say then, okay, well, that was a positive net because all of a sudden people spent all this money. Well, what the thing is then, there's this, uh, you know, I think it was Frederick Hayek's book, he calls, he talk, calls it the, the broken window fallacy. And what it is is to say someone throws a, throws a brick through a glass window um, and then people stand around and people have a conversation. They say, oh, look, look how, and then they're seeing what's happened and all of a sudden a glazier comes along and he starts making up a new window and then the guy has to reskin it so then a painter comes along and they're like, oh, my God, look how, look how much net positive this was after someone throwing a brick through the window. It's created all these jobs. Um, but see, the other conversation that people uh, forget is, unfortunately, the guy's window who's broken, let's just call him a shoemaker, all of a sudden he's, um, he no longer has that $500 to spend because he had to repair his window. So that five hundred dollars got to repairing a window. Maybe he would have taken his kids out to a movie, or he would have bought, um, you know, put a deposit on something else. So it's not like anything's been created. It's just been like the money's just been reallocated Move. to another spot. Moved to a different so kind of thing. The thing is, I suppose, if they when they do these stimulus packages, and where I suppose a couple of these articles are, it's like, well, all right, what's it thirty, fifty? Why don't we just make it a hundred? Screw it. Why don't we just make it free? That'll really stimulate it to the end. Um, but the the difficult thing is, I suppose, is um, how much influence do we really want the governments having in all these markets? Because at some point, there's a, there could be a case that it's creating a false economy. And in last week, we talk, I talked about the federal um, federal grant that had went from seven thousand dollars to fourteen thousand dollars, and oh, you know that's why Hobart had that continuous surge of active real estate for another. You know, that was 12, around. Months. The 2010 mark, is that the post, one you That's right, post-GFC. Yep. Um, but then, of course, the following years, um, the sales transactions dramatically dropped. Um, and obviously, I, I don't know whether or not that's an exact um, you know, reason to say that the first-home buyers that naturally would have bought in 2012 um, bought in 2010, and so then there was no buyers. That, so um, it sort of brought them forward, stimulated it for a time, you know, if in the short term, but then in the following years, um, depressed the market because there wasn't as much demand because they'd already bought. So I guess, you know, how much, in terms of how much money they throw out to just, you know, stimulate all these economies, that's great, but it might be just, you know, um, you know, it might be a little bit of a sugar hit that then it delays an inevitable, um, or, you know, delays a recession, you could say, or um, creates a false economy that may not recover 10, 20 years from now. But sugar highs are fun, aren't they? hundred <laughs> percent. I'm like, well, they are. So. <laughs> no one is just like, oh, I can't wait to get my word in here. Yeah. <laughs> in, your, in your notes here, Pat, you're saying something according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Yeah. So when I was doing my research, the Australian Bureau of Statistics are suggesting that uh, new build construction for every every dollar spent in the industry, it creates three dollars of active spend across the whole economy. So. They're basically saying you get a 300% return on your spend. So, so that kind of sounds like John's window yeah. analogy. Yeah, they're basically saying if, if the government gives out 50000 it should return $150,000 back into the economy is what, yeah. what they're arguing, um, which obviously only time would tell if that works or not, I guess. 
Yeah, it's an interesting concept. It's interesting kind of to see both sides of it because John's window analogy is quite interesting to think of, you know, often the little guy is the, it's the guy forking out for the, the window and the glazier and, you know, it's got to go down the line and everyone's got to kind of uh, balance it out without the, the big boy stealing on our, all our crust. Well, no, and actually when Luke did the, um, he recently did, with the Charlie Pickering show, Luke, Lukeonomics, he talked, um, he briefly touched on... Um, Viking one? The, no, it was the uh, negative gearing. Ah, yes. N- negative gearing. So then, you know, a lot of the arguments to that's to say, if, you know, if, if you remove negative gearing, you remove the additional incentive for investors just to buy properties um, and you'd, you know, be taking that part of the market out, which would enable others, it'd make it easier for others to purchase because you don't have, you know, it, it, the story went is... I think he had like Link, um, and a, a cartoon character, but the idea being is you had um, you've got a first, let's just use a first home buyer and a second plus home buyer, and you, and you've got one investor who's you know obviously um, it would probably buy it to be a, a positively geared, but then you've got a fourth investor that's going to be bidding on it because he, they're going to um, buy it negatively geared in the hope they see some capital gains. So the idea being is if you didn't have negative gearing as a tax incentive, you, you wouldn't have that fourth buyer, again, creating additional competition. Yep. So again, it's another um, tax incentive. Or it is, in, in essence, a stimulus, I guess you could say, because it is giving an incentive to buy properties or for people to buy properties that otherwise wouldn't buy properties. Um, so, I mean, I'm going around a bit in circles when I'm talking, but that's, I suppose, where if we've got all this money that the government's available, it's, you know, it's, it's just really, really, it's really, really tempting to put, you know, put this, push the spend button because then everyone's going to be going gangbusters and everyone's going to love it. Um, but that's why there are some economists that are saying, well, you know, if, you, if, if, if the government keeps stimulating, well, then it's, yeah, it's like a drug. So you've got to keep pushing it out. Um, you know, it's just like, well, if everyone's got $750 a fortnight, why don't we just give everyone $1,500 a fortnight and then everyone yep. can keep spending. But it's like, well, where's that money eventually going to go to? It's borrowed money that has to be paid interest on. And eventually, you know, that, you know, the chickens come home to roost. And at one point, you know, by all accounts, you'd think that the, uh, we are going to have to pay those debts back. So it, it, in essence, for me, I think um, where, you know, if the government's going to be, yeah, if they are going to be spending this money, um, you don't just do a money, money bomb where everyone gets a thousand dollars in the bank account and we all go buy TVs. You know, that's a horrible investment. But is that, um, is that what got us through the GFC. Uh, the GFC last time? Is that how we came out the other side kind of not majorly affected? Is that like a, a um, practice that has worked in the past? So I think there were two things with the GFC. I think spending and that concept worked. Uh, they also put a lot of infrastructure spending in as well to keep people employed. And the third thing was that our banks were not set up anywhere near the same as the American banks were. Yeah. And so the way they had like the pyramid effect with the mortgages in America, it didn't happen here because when we sell a house, that mortgage gets completely paid out before we then go and buy the next house. It doesn't sort of follow you on down which is how it was working over there and so oh, okay i think that helped us here to a degree was we just had a different more safer banking structure or wasn't as risky i think yeah the, the other thing too um i can't remember what the loans were called but they effectively had a teaser rate where you didn't have to pay interest for two years and then all of a sudden it went up to like eight or ten percent so people were putting no money down on property they didn't have any means to be able to pay it in the first place and then after the um those you know after that teaser rate ended all of a sudden then um they were forced to pay for all these properties and loans that no one could afford um and so that's where everything just went 
So is that kind of like what we were talking about last week with the rental scheme that's coming? They kind of, so they don't get to a point where it goes and we have to do all these evictions and things like that. It um, is kind of giving them that forward amount of money to pay up the debt and then they'll be able to prevent an explosion like that. Well, if you saw too, the money was going to be going directly to the owner. So it doesn't get like, imagine um, I'm renting a house off you, you lads, and you've, been, you've helped me um, by reducing the rent. Um, yep. So what, what would happen is, is that uh, we would all make the application um, and then the government would transfer, would actually pay you guys um, the money. Um, because in that instance, I'm the one who's gained because I haven't had, haven't had to pay much, but you guys are the one who've taken the pain because you've um, given me the benefit of um, relaxed rent. Um, so that's where that one gets paid. Whereas at, at, where at the moment, everything, um, all the money's been going to the renters first um, yep. and no money um, to property owners. Um, all they've had the capacity to do is negotiate a freeze of their mortgages to their banks, but the banks are still accumulating that interest over the long term. So that's, I guess it's just a nice little um, shot, shot in the arm to, uh, to help out those who have helped others. So pivoting from there, I think the next article that we were going to talk about had to do with Airbnb properties and kind of them twisting into kind of longer term rentals through this COVID stuff with tourism being less of an industry yeah. at the moment. So do you want to throw it on out and then we can run through that one? Yeah, yeah, sure. So we'll, uh, we'll be right back from there and um, yeah, we'll discuss Airbnbs and, and such. 414 Real Estate has been operating within the northern suburbs of Hobart since 2006 with their innovative approach to marketing and managing your property. They have all your property needs covered. Find out more by visiting them today at 414.com.au. As a family-run business, First National Real Estate McGregor understands that the property market can be stressful. However, with a strong team in both sales and rentals, we are here to guide you through the property maze. Find out more today at mcgregorfn.com. All right, coming back in, we've got a bit more energy. We, we buzzed ourselves up and we've decided that we're going to jump right into this Airbnb topic and give it a red hot crack. John's uh, really carried the team through that last period and if you're still listening to us, thank you so much. Congratulations. <laughs> well, see, if, if when I listen back to myself, I'm going to like, do I really have any clue what I'm saying at the moment? <laughs> you sell it with enough conviction that I'm like, yep, he knows what he's saying and then I'm like, I'm going to try and meld that together into a, I actually really liked my segue, but then that was like, oh, let's go to a break. I'm like, oh man, I worked so hard on that segue. <laughs> I need to just stop. We just need to move on and go again. <laughs> All right. So things are a little bit different in the rental market now that there's lots of properties that were being used as short-term rentals for Airbnbs and tourists. Mm. There's no real tourism industry. Nope. Gone. So what's the go? How does that affect the overall market? How does that affect um, the people that maybe they've frozen their mortgages, but they probably still need to work out a way to eventually pay that off? Look, I think the biggest thing that most people would know is that Hobart has been the hardest rental market in all of Australia for the last couple of years. So actually finding a rental has been incredibly difficult. There's been lots of reasons for it. There's been an influx of international students coming here. Uh, there's been a lot of people coming back to Tasmania after moving away because there's no jobs. So therefore it became popular um, in the tourism space. And there's all these things that have concated to make a really hard and difficult market. But what has happened as a result of COVID, obviously a lot of people moved into that Airbnb space to make the event, like make the most of the advantages with 
tourism. Yep. However, now that tourism's dried up, there's a heap of homes all over Hobart that can't get any income from. Yeah. So people have decided to turn them over to six or 12 month rentals, yep. which will help obviously ease that pressure on the rental market at the moment. And it has done like we were getting 30 or 40 applications per property. We're now getting, you know, six to 10 applications per property. So the demand has definitely shrunk. So that's to say that their people are the rental crisis that was happening in the past is kind of easing in a way that the properties are being filled with the people that were mm. going rough. But really, in my opinion, all it's doing is creating a fake bubble because yeah. unless we get more homes built, which in my opinion could be a really good outcome from that previous grant we were just talking about, um, in six months' time or 12 months' time when tourism does start back up, what happens are, then? What happens to all those properties that have become rentals? They're going to disappear again and turn back into Airbnbs where there's more money with less stress on the house. So I'm sort of thinking that... Um, Although it's quite good for renters at the moment, we could have another problem when it comes to, to housing in Hobart in the next sort of, you know, 12 to 18 months. So it sounds a lot like what John was discussing in the past thing with this false economy or the fake kind of setup in that it kind of seems like a good thing at the moment, but it might not be. Well, one of the things that our, our occupancy or vacancy rate, you know, has been 1%, if not less, for a considerable amount of time. Um, and it was one, I was, so our, our office has been keeping um, statistics on how many rental properties are advertised in, you know, Hobart and surrounds for like, I think we, this dates back to 2012. Love a good stat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> the st- I mean, that's where like you, you get good stories and that's where the stories come from. But so here's, I was at 26th of uh, October 2012. Um, there are 809 rental properties advertised available. So that was both on um, uh, in the in the newspapers and on the the property portals. Was and that in the Hobart region? Is that yeah, Hobart region um, and surround. So then then you look at um, uh, 20th of October 2018. So six years later, there was 199 properties. So it's like. Oh. So that just shows how much of it, like how tight that market was and how hard it has been for people to find a rental property. So um, it went from, you know, the, the vacancy rate in Hobart of say five or 6% to now, um, then, you know, below one. And now it's going up to say two, two and a half percent. So the thing is, is that it's not that, you know, at, at a, a vacancy rate of two and a half percent is not bad. Like that's pretty, still a really strong rental market. Um, but comparatively to what we're used to, it seems, you know, vastly different. But, you know, it has been much higher in the past. Back then too, though, you know, Tasmania still had a, a reduction in uh, population, whereas we've had population growth consistently. Um, and the other thing too is that a lot of the rental demand came as a result of new Tasmanians who were looking, if because it was still considered a rural area, even if you're living in Hobart, so you could fast track your visa. Yep. So we had a lot of people moving you know, from interstate, um, you know, non-citizens just to get their visas fast tracked. Um, so they'll come and go. And there's I don't know what it's like at the moment, whether or not a lot of those families, um, you know, if if the government, re- you know, removes that visa option, whether or not we do have like a, a, a higher level of population than we otherwise wouldn't because people are here just to fast track the visa. Um, but I mean, if when, when we had one of our clients, they had about six, seven um, Airbnb properties. And when we were chatting, we just sold one of her units. Um, and she said she overnight, she saw $100,000 just disappear from a bank account, like, because it's obviously forecast bookings. Um, yeah. And so all those, so all those six went on to the um, rent, have been released to the rental market now. Um, and I know, um, so I think then at this point, we probably do have an oversupply of rentals because you can see the vacancy rates going up. But um, whether you know, then again, that will probably have a depreciation on rental prices because there's a lot more supply than there is demand. Um, but yes, 
revisiting then if the, if the tourism industry starts to pick up down the road, um, we don't have a, um, access to a lot of accommodation, you know, probably, so some of those people will probably then start to, you know, shift from long-term rental back into an Airbnb because now they've got the um, security knowing they can um, get that income again. So um, each and the markets will find their own equilibrium, um, but if it then becomes the same problem again where we've got a population growth, um, well, that's going to cause the, the housing stress like we had over the last few years. But it certainly doesn't seem to be, um, just in terms of volume, um, certainly doesn't seem to be an issue today. But, I mean, obviously, it'd be a lot of people that would argue differently. Um, and Just in terms of kind of doing some quick math just on the fly, I know we didn't um, master math at school, but we'll just try. Mm. So what would the average three-bedroom property in Hobart kind of CBD, what would that um, rent for. Look at, look at the video. He's like scowling through like his little notes. He's like, what? oh no, this, 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 this shit's not any good for that. I was just trying to think of the top of my head. What, what is the median? It's what is it close? Probably 500 bucks a week. Is it, I think it was about 550 from memory? All right. So, so let's argue 550 a week is what you could get having it as a, um, as a three bedroom property rents out to a family, mm. three bedroom. Um, how many people would that fit for an Airbnb? kind of six couples, so it's kind of sizable. What would you be getting a week with that if you were to have full? You'd assume you'd get the 550 just from the weekend, wouldn't you? Saturday, yeah. Sunday. So, so then you're getting five days of it being vacant, but no worse off. That's where that less stress on the house comes and why a lot of people get excited by the idea of Airbnb. By the prospect of doing it. Yeah, I was just trying to nut it out while you were discussing the because it's like would you at the moment have it set up as your – long-term rental and then be like, oh, well, this is easy. I don't have to deal with the cleaners. I don't have to deal with kind of the management of having people coming in and out all the time. Would you? Would that be equatable? But it just seems like you can see why there's that allure of having like, oh, well, people are here on the weekend. I make my money. I pay my mortgage. Yeah, well, I think I read somewhere that when Airbnb was going well, I think you only need to have it occupied about 33 to 40% of the time. Yeah. In fact, even on what it would be for a long-term yeah so to have someone only in the house 35 percent of the time that's nothing if you look at it yeah no it's just an interesting kind of idea for like and that's in that cbd like i guess then you push it out to further places like you either want them to be in tourist traps or you know i can't imagine an airbnb in an outer suburb being as popular but you'd still probably just need to have that tenancy tenancy at an appropriate level to kind of break even yeah, that's what it boils down to. Well, yeah, and, look, it, well, that's the thing is, that, I mean, people um, are going to chase, are going to utilise their investments for whatever, you know, however they can maximise their, their profit or their money, you know. Um, some people would, you know, do like the fact that the Airbnb is going to generate them a higher income, but it does come with a lot more work. Um, you know, the management fees are higher, uh, but like, Pat just said it was about, a, you know, you only have to do about a third of um, occupancy to, to make the same money. But other people like the, um, you know, the solidity that comes and the consistency that comes with long-term rental property. Um, you know, there's, and there's a, lot more, there's a lot more legislation wrapped around what people can and cannot do in that sense too. So um, in the end, it's just going to come up to the individual. We've had people that have had, you know, rental properties with us. They've taken off to Airbnb and then they've gone, oh, that was great for good 12 months or two years, but I'm just sick of doing the work. I hate changing beds um, and cleaning toilets on a daily basis. So they just gave it back as a, as a long-term rental. So, um, I mean, the, the opportunity was there for people to gear it so that they can, if it really worked 
if it was a really popular property, you could make a lot of money in a very short period of time. But um, obviously, though, a high risk, high, re- high reward. Um, so you can see then it's excep- exceptionally vulnerable to a um, the, the tourism uh, market. So once the once the virus hit, well, then th- that asset just became completely worthless to them because they couldn't use it. Yeah. So that's one that then they re- restructured it into the rental market. Um, so I, I think um, the university did a study on it too because if you think about it, over the last few years, there's been a lot of arguments around you know, people hating on Airbnbs because they were, it was just, you know, t- clogging up the market. Yeah, yeah. But I think we can physically see now with all them retur- returning that, um, you know, there was, there, there was a significant amount of properties that were locked up in the, in the holiday, um, ex- holiday letting exclusively. Um, and they're all available. A huge amount of properties just come up overnight from, you know, Sandy Bay and the um, premier suburbs that were, you know, predominantly, Utilize well a lot largely utilized for both Airbnb and student accommodation. Now all the international students are gone. Well, there's no 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 one for these properties. Yeah, um, I guess it's a tricky spot when you see people living rough and kind of little camp um, things at the showgrounds and stuff like that. And that's mm. why more houses to be built. Oh, the more, people, the more people that can move into their own home and you know first home buyer can get out of the rental market into owning a place frees up rentals for other people. So, you know, I heard somewhere that there was an idea to have a 50K um, grant for new home builds. Yeah, I heard so, it. Yeah. Sugar rushes though. So <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to the next topic. I <laughs> All right. So just to finish up, we've, uh, we've maxed out our, our time in the studio today. We've got some uh, appointments to get to, but there is a really interesting idea here that Pat's posted, um, something akin to Star Trek's Beam Me Up Scotty, and it's the uh, buyer teleportation. And watch the future of real estate. So this is right in my wheelhouse, and I know you're a bit of a Trek you're head. a Star Wars fan, not a Star Trek fan. Yeah, well, look, we could go into the reasons why I like one better than the other, but I can see the merits of both. Um, but tell us about uh, bioteleportation. What, what does that even mean? Sure. Look, what I really like about one thing that's come out of COVID is that everyone has t- had to adapt on how they do things. And what I've also liked about it is how much technology has played a role in that and how people have been willing to, I guess, uh, learn different ways to do things. Like what we're doing now is Zoom meetings, a prime example of that. Half of Hobart probably had never done one before, but now everyone's an expert on Zoom apart from us when we're trying to get audio to work (laughs) on it. So um, even my, you know, my nan's done Zoom meetings and I think your nan gets on it as well. Yeah, she does while she's candy crushing. Yeah. So look, I think it's been really exciting to see how people have embraced technology and and learnt to find ways to use it. Another example is John and I have been doing online bookings instead of, you know, someone picking up the phone and calling us to book an inspection. We've been sending them a link to a website and they do it all themselves looking at our diary in, in live time. Yeah. So, um, so looking at this article that you've got here, which is, is what, from domain, yeah. no, realestate.com.au. Yeah. So what I really liked about this article was that basically they're, they're talking about like, I guess, um, you know how we do our Matterport tours and everyone would have heard us talk about Matterport a million times, probably sick of it by now. But the ability to sort of walk through a house, you can actually go with a Matterport tour one step further and actually put on the, the funky VR goggles yep. and get a real life experience like you're actually in the house walking around. Yeah, so this is interesting because I haven't read the article, I've just looked at it here, but while we were on the hiatus, I got some con- some um, correspondence from, was it Big Plans Melbourne? Yeah, the guys that we spoke about a couple of, oh, probably about 20 episodes back. Yeah, so Big Plans Melbourne was kind of the similar thing you were describing where it was in a giant warehouse and it could be... Um, yeah, you could put your floor plan out on the warehouse floor and get true to life and walk around your house like it was the right side. Yeah, yeah so funnily enough, they, they reached out to us while all that was happening and this kind of leads straight into that. Yeah. Um, 
so kind of same, same thing. What I really like about it is that if people can start to embrace these type of technologies, instead of doing your Saturday morning where you're trying to rush from house to house to house to look at 10 of them, yep. you can probably eliminate eight by using some VR goggles and spending the morning just with a pair of them on looking one after the other. Yep. And then instead of going to 10 homes, you already know in your heart to look out of those 10 I looked at, there's really only two that are ticking 90% of the boxes. So, mm. And I actually think that it will go further and agents will start to create sort of VR rooms within their offices. Like instead of us driving around and showing you all the houses, come in. Let's yep. sit down and let's go through a bulk of them and really get an idea of what you're looking at. And then you can kind of swipe away the things that you're not interested in and then narrow literally down. narrow it down to like, okay, it is worth going to this one and that one because I can tell that just from standing in this virtual space that this room is going to be way too small for the bunk beds or the... Yeah, so the term like beam me up Scotty is what they refer to in this article and I, I think that you're envisioning that from because you're putting these goggles on and you're going from a room like here where we are now yep. into the actual house itself. And you can physically walk around that house. So it's, um, it also opens up international buyers and uh, like buyers from other states to be able to really get a good feel of the home before they commit to fly down and actually see it in person. I, know I like the extension of that um, too, where it said, here's an example of what an agent avatar would look like. So then if you're not even, you know, if they're looking through, they're walking through the house in the 3D, the agent could be in the 3D tour as well. And so then you can just, um, you've got a little cartoon avatar that's like wandering through the house with them. So, so then you spend the rest of the day looking up Cartoon John's, didn't you? Yes, exactly right. <laughs> oh, that was really good. When you said Avatar, I was just picturing a big blue John, like kind of the movie. In like, like a Na'vi. I'm going to jump on Fiverr and just see how many digital artists can create this for us because then we could have a whole range. And you could even you could even sit there and overlay what you want me to look like when you're walking through the house. You know, are you comfortable with? It's like choosing your character in a video game. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, would you like, lay back suit, lay back John, or do you want suit John today? Power, power suit John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No pants, I know, John. I know. In uh, maybe the first episode back, we talked that digital inspections had kind of risen. Did you say there was some stat part that had risen by like four hundred percent? Something stupid like that. Yeah, it was huge. And um, realestate.com have also said, and Domain as well, actually, have also said that since we've all been in lockdown. Uh, the rise of Matterport tours has been huge. The actual rise of digital online inspections has been massive. So, yeah. so it is something to look forward to as kind of the new future of yeah. Because people are getting more used to this kind of isolation and being careful with going into places and stuff. Yeah, look, everything's changing. It's not going to be the same world that we've always known. So, I think agents that can be creative and actually be f- like forerunners in this technology and actually offer it. I think they'll get a lot out of it yeah. moving forward. You've even got here something along the lines of VR technology could be used for prospective renters as well so that you're not all going to the same place or even those building their own home. I know that's kind of the big plans, Melbourne guys, and those kind of things are set up to be, you know, this is a preloaded kit home, this is what it could be, mm-hmm. and then yeah. kind of minority you report your way through well, think getting about rid of it, walls. Like, they can go as far now of like sending a drone up to the 57th floor, for instance, of a high-rise that's not even built yet get 360 view photos, then lay that into the windows of the render. So when you walk through it, this is what the views will be. you'll see the view as it will be once the place is actually built. Yeah. So, so, so many cool things like that that you can actually do already now that obviously agents and people, are, developers are just trying to get their head around how do we work this into our sales pitch and how do we use that on a daily basis. When you say that, my mind goes to kind of, you know how they can do the photos and then they'll turn them from day to night and stuff. Imagine yep. having the view set as kind of like an Iron Man 
thing where you turn the, the oh, yeah, go yeah. from day to night and all you'd swipe it into oh possibilities are endless. Nick, or you can just dream of where you could live. There you go. Well, yeah, we'll eventually we'll just be living in VR like the Matrix. So yeah. little pods everywhere. Yeah, be all good. <laughs> I wonder if you can still sell real estate in a little pod. <laughs> With my VR avatar. Yeah. Oh. Today I'm gonna to be John, not Patrick. I'm gonna log into his account. You'll find a way. <laughs> all right. Well, boys, look, we started sluggish. We've uh, battled our way through, and I'm sure I can cut together a pretty decent episode of the Property Pod there. Again, we thank everybody for listening through the good times and the bad. Uh, we appreciate everybody that's out there that's watching. We appreciate John for sitting in his Puce office all by himself and, uh, and talking as much smack as he can to, to get us through the day. Well, I mean, I'd be really interested to hear anyone's comments on any of the stuff or the opinions and um, stuff that found because I reckon, uh, yeah, talking economics is way, out, way outside the scope of my knowledge base. So um, if anyone could point me in the right direction, I'm all for it. Maybe people write a letter into the Mercury about it, John, say that you're a way off base. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody greedy real estate agents. Bloody greedy real estate agents. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for uh, joining me again to everybody out there. You can find us at all the regular platforms. Uh, you can watch us on Facebook, which has been going really well. And we will continue to create the property pod as long as you continue to listen. Thanks very much, guys. Awesome. So you. See you, J-Mac. All the best, gents. Bye. You have been listening to The Property Pod, produced and edited by 414 Media House in conjunction with 414 Real Estate and McGregor First National Propriety Limited. This podcast is general information only and the thoughts and views expressed is the opinion of our panel and listeners should always seek then use their own investigation into any topic we discuss to ensure they fully understand their own situation. It does not constitute and should not be relied on as purchasing, selling, financial or investment advice or recommendations express or implied and it should not be used as an invitation to take up any agent or investment services. No investment decision or activity should be undertaken on the basis of this information.